Hey, and welcome to Tomorrow. Today on the podcast, we discuss Trump, Trump, and Donald Trump. But first, a word from our sponsor. USAA is passionate about what they do, ensuring the financial security of the military community and their families. As an employer, USAA creates conditions for employees to succeed. USAA is hiring for customer service reps, designers, developers, insurance, banking, and more. Visit them online and see over 200 jobs available. It's an organization that provides opportunities for you to collaborate, create, and lead. Find your purpose with USAA. Visit usaajobs.com and join the team. Are you ready to take your website to the next level? I see the look in your eye. I think you are. I know what you want to do. Whether you're a first-time blogger, an experienced web pro, HostGator has all the tools you need to create a website that's beautiful and powerful. HostGator even offers mobile-friendly templates so your audience can easily browse your site on the go. It's everything you need all in one place, all backed by 24-7 expert support. And right now, listen to this. This is fantastic. Our listeners get 60% off. Just visit HostGator.com tomorrow to get started. Uh, my guest today is an extremely accomplished writer uh, at The Atlantic, formerly of BuzzFeed. Uh, I'm, of course, talking about the man who's responsible for Donald Trump's presidency, McKay Coppins. <laughs> McKay, thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you for that introduction. I'm sorry. Let me explain that to people who don't know what I mean. And we were just talking about this before we started, so I just, we should just get into it. You, you may be in some way partially responsible yeah, for Donald maybe. Trump. For Donald Trump being president of the United States of America, can you talk uh, at all about? <laughs> can you talk at all about how that came to be and how you feel uh, about it? Yes, the <laughs> the Atlantic I've discovered has just hired me to tell this story as like an atonement for my sins, yeah. like in front of multiple crowds. You're like, oh, what a so, great <laughs> job offer! They're like, just to be clear, we just <laughs> want you to talk about how you made Donald Trump president. Um, so early, so early 2014, three years ago, um, I was at BuzzFeed and I pitched uh, Trump's like aides, one of his aides, on the idea of like doing an interview with him. Uh, and this is like after this is the post birther thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like Trump had done the whole birther thing in 2012, yeah. And then he had endorsed Mitt Romney, and so he had kind of been in the political space, but like by that point, he would like everyone was sick of him, you know. Like the Republican Party was kind of <sighs> sick of him. Democrats, like oh, even the political. Can't imagine that. <laughs> well, but <laughs> what, it's what, crazy what, because like he was idea. irrelevant like at the time, and so like when I, even when I pitched this idea. To uh, my editors at BuzzFeed, they were kind of like, oh, like, a, really? Like, that's so boring, like a Trump interview. Mm. So <laughs> so I had arranged to interview him on the flight from New Hampshire. He's speaking in New Hampshire, uh, flight from New Hampshire back to New York. And then right before I got on the plane with him, like I was going to, you know, fly with him. Yeah. Right before we got on the plane, we found out there was a blizzard in Manhattan and uh, he like his pilot didn't know if they could land, and so Trump was like, "Yeah, oh, let's just fly to Palm Beach instead." And one of his aides was like, "Well, we have this reporter here," and he was like, "Take him along. Let's bring him." Wow. So I spent two days at his like at Mar-a-Lago at yeah, his house, his compound, yes, his, his estate, <laughs> uh-huh. where he's currently um, vacationing right now. Yes, right? where he is right now. I know, I know it well. After a, stir- a healthy two weeks of. <laughs> President he, around. He needs to kick, kick his feet his up. His hand and... is exhausted yeah. from signing all those executive orders. No, I'm sure. He, I'm sure he is very tired. Actually, <laughs> well, yeah, he's tweeting at all hours. He's, yeah, he doesn't sleep. All right, so you fly down to Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, so... with, and you're hanging out with Donald Trump for two days. Yeah, and 
<laughs> it's just like obviously a bizarre experience. Like the place was empty. It was like him, me, like a staff, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And you know, and a couple aides. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I spent two days. I interviewed him a bunch. I just like we had lunch together. We just you know whatever. So then I went back and I wrote this profile. So, so you thought? Sorry, I just want to. I hate to interrupt, but I just want to understand. <laughs> no, no, no. You thought you were gonna like get him for a, a couple of hours on a plane? Not, yeah, like forty five. Forty five minutes, minutes on a plane. Forty five minute interview. And, That's what I and said. And then it's like there's a blizzard in New York, so he's like, <laughs> I bring it. We're gonna go tomorrow. I'll go bring this guy. And then you're like this weird guest, like in this like Citizen Kane situation. <laughs> totally. He's like alone in like a in mansion. The, in his huge Xanadu. Yeah, he's like you're, you guys are at the table where you're. It's like you're on one end and like. <laughs> 25 feet away, he's yeah, on the other yeah, right. but, you're so, but so then you're like, so you're in a, a room at Mar-a-Lago. Is this correct? Yeah, yeah. You're not yeah, yeah. in a hotel. You're no, not, no, like, no, you're not like a Red Roof Inn down yeah, the street no, no, or something. I'm staying at his house. You're in a room, you're in a room at Mar-a-Lago, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, he wakes up, he's like, we're going to have brunch on the veranda, come down, <laughs> and you're just hanging out. Well, and it was weird okay. because I didn't have a suitcase or anything, obviously, because I was yeah. just, you know, so it's just me in like a wool suit. It's okay. like 80 degrees. I'm you like wandering have, like, around. He, he didn't give you like Trump shirts or well, anything? Well, no, he want, He tried to. He was like, let's open up the store. We'll get you a bunch of clothes. Uh, but I was like, I, you know. every young Republican's dream. I know. Well, I'm trying to like maintain some kind of like journalistic sure. division, right? Sure. And Eddie like didn't. I kept being like, "Well, just you know, send me an invoice, and I'll have Buzzfeed will pay for it." And yeah. he was like, "Oh, come on, please, it's yeah. on me." It's on yeah. anyway. So yeah, right. no, as it, long it, as the story is good. So, <laughs> okay, one, so so you you're hanging out with the Donald, with, yeah. with President, not, not future soon to president. be future President of the United <laughs> States, Donald Trump. You get an intimate look into his into his <sighs> world in Mar-a-Lago. And so what happened? What happened during this time? Well, so, I mean, like, you know, he had, like, a bunch of Trumpian weird things. Like, at one point, like, right when we got to Mar-a-Lago, he, like, leaned in really close, like, out of nowhere. He goes, there's a lot of good-looking women here. Oh, he said that? Yeah. How is his breath? Is Donald Trump the kind of guy who has decent breath? Ah, uh, yeah, actually, he did. Really? Have, and the weird, the other weird well, you know, thing—he loves, he loves Tic Tacs. So that's true. So he's famously, <laughs> right? Famous, I guess I should know the fa- answer to that question. Famous fan of Tic Tacs. <laughs> he's like, I always keep Tic Tacs. <laughs> he actually says that, doesn't he? He actually talks about having Tic Tacs on hand. So I don't know why I even asked. Okay, yeah, this is like a famous so he thing leaned, about Donald he leaned Trump. in. He said, "There's a lot of beautiful yeah, women yeah. down and here." And then he and then he wondered why. Well, the th- the other weird thing about this was that he was blowing off his wedding anniversary. His wife was back in New York. He blew off the wedding anniversary to come down to Mar-a-Lago. So with me. (laughs) It's so good. I mean, hearing you talk about it, I'm like, it all just puts everything about Trump into a different light. Like, you're like, here's the thing about Trump that I think all the time. And and now you'll tell us about it. But my guess is in person, Trump is very charismatic. My guess is Mm -hmm. that, like, when you're talking to him, even if he's saying insane shit, he comes off as like a very captivating person. Like, yeah, yeah. Because think about like, the, I, this is the thing I always try to explain to people. I'm like, he said, like, in this current context, he's like president and he's very, you know, like that is <laughs> it's not, it's, it's not very, like it's, president. He it's, is. It's, president. No, but I'm saying it's terrifying, right? Like right. his behavior as president of the United States and the way he talks. But when he's just like a yeah. normal dude yeah. who seemed at the time like fairly irrelevant to politics and like a million miles away from ever becoming anything important yeah like it was it was just kind of like oh it's like this crazy kind of racist guy yeah. but he was like you know cracking jokes and telling stories sure like trying to give me free stuff <laughs> trying to get you in like i love the idea in my mind now at least i'm picturing you wearing like 
a pink Mar-a-Lago shirt, a Mar-a-Lago fleece. There's like Ivanka Trump yeah, there's shoes. Like some kind of like, there's some kind of like, you know, he's like, oh, but you got to go to dinner's fit. You know, it's uh, got to wear a tie to dinner tonight. You have like a Donald Trump, Trump tie. tie and one of his oversized blazers or whatever. Uh, but anyhow, no, but but the, but the thing that I actually took away from it was he seemed he was like he was at a. He was this was Trump in winter like this was like he was like depressed uh-huh. and sad and like it was almost like a tragic figure because he like wanted so desperately for me to like take him seriously as a political figure. Yeah. And at the time, there just was no reason for me to do that. Right. And, and so he kept trying, you know, different tacks to like get me interested in his political views. And I and okay. my whole th- the only thing I wanted to talk to him about is why he kept using politics and and the potential for running for president as like a publicity stunt because right. he'd been doing this for 25 years right. right all the way back the first time he said he might run for president was the year the art of the deal came out and it was which like is, a way to sell, like, 1987 uh, yeah wow it was the year i was born <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> so, crazy so it, i was 10 so <laughs> that's what i'm saying though so it's crazy oh, right? you're, like, you're so much younger than me yeah no, no. i'm very now i feel I'm, old i'm no. a wonderkind i don't uh, know yeah, if you if that was not, in your notes is about that in me? here hold on let, let, me, say let me see here political journalism wonderkind uh, of the wilderness <laughs> worked at newsweek uh covered mitt romney no nothing here about wonderkind you got a reality start to run for president. <laughs> I didn't even wake up until noon, and I'm almost your age. Okay, so anyhow, so 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 Trump wants you to take him seriously, right? Uh, here you are. You're a young reporter. Yes. I mean, that, twenty. What year is this? Twenty twelve? Uh, yeah, no, 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 twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. Just just twenty five, twenty six. Just three years ago. <laughs> Um, and so what is it, what it happened? What, what was the exchange that, that you believe led to? Well, so no. So what happened is that I went home and wrote this like 6,000 word piece about my like journeys with Donald Trump. Yeah. And the, and the whole threat, the whole thesis of the piece, which he has never let me forget is, was that he was never going to run for president. Like yeah. that this was like a, this was a sham, right? Mm-hmm. He had been doing this forever. The headline was 36 hours on the fake campaign trail with Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, he, and like I, you know, I like poked fun at his aesthetic and the way that his like ho, his uh, his um, Mar-a-Lago was like decorated, mm-hmm. whatever. How is it understated? <laughs> yeah, very understated, very tasteful. <laughs> very, uh, uh, one thing I know about Trump is he's very he likes subtle <laughs> subtlety. Subtlety is, 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 is if you, one word his... to describe his aesthetic is subtlety. Subtle, yeah. Um, no, so I wrote this, and he, fr- and so we published it, and he freaked out, and like, oh, how unusual! <laughs> Trump freaked out about something the press said about him. But the thing is, him. it was before no one was writing about him at this point, or no one in journal or in political journalism, right? Right. So like, I think he was especially mad because you know whatever. So he he spent like weeks tweeting about me at all hours. Do you think he felt personally hurt because you he had invited you? So into I his... found out later that that was part of it, but th- that he felt like. He had been so generous in inviting me down, but he was especially wounded by the way I had poked fun at his like at Mar-a-Lago because he was like, I brought you down here and you make fun of my house. (laughs) Um, But the thing is, you feel bad. I mean, it was was a tragic thing. No, this is the thing. So I went back. Can you imagine feeling bad for Donald Trump? But I actually feel (laughs) there's something in like in me that I do. Oh, I mean, I don't. I mean, he's horrible, but. 
I feel it's like sad, like he's a sad character. Well, this has created my whole like take on Donald Trump now. <laughs> what? Which is no, that, well, Ryan's so bad. He's no, a but, Nazi with a child's <laughs> view of the world who tried to bribe no, I, journalists. I agree, but he's but it's just something very pathetic about. Well, it. no, that's the patheticness. Yeah, right? it's pathetic. The it's not sad. Like I don't feel bad no, for no, him. No, no, like, no, a lost puppy is pathetic. This is a feral puppy that bit you and wants to bite your kids. Puppies, their teeth are barely in. <laughs> <laughs> your your kid would be your fine. kid be fine. Don't a couple of small puncture it. wounds and. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I've been bit by a puppy. Okay, anyhow. So, but this is the thing. So I was, t- anyway, they, he freaked out about it. When, what I'm told later, because last year I went back when he, right before the Republican convention, I wrote a whole thing revisiting this episode and yeah. I reported it out. And I talked to one of his advisors who like helped him launch his campaign. And this advisor said that when Trump was kind of on the fence about whether he really wanted to run or not, one of the things that they would say to convince him to run was think about how bad McKay Coppins will look. And Trump would say, oh, that's true. Like that was like in the pro running. And then but the, the, so, but yeah. the thing is, it was, it's all accidental because right. it's from not there, like you were like, come on, Donald, well, no, do it. Obviously, in my case, but I'm saying even in his what I'm told from his advisors is that when he initially launched his campaign, the plan was. He was launched it in like June, right, of 2015. Sure. And the plan was to saturate the media for the summer because, famous, you know, there's famously kind of a huge news hole in the summer. Mm. And then he would drop out by October in time to re-up his Celebrity Apprentice contract. He was going to use this all as kind of a bargaining uh, tool with NBC. So this was like this stated plan that so his advisors so knew. You're telling me that <laughs> you're telling me that the specific stated plan agreed upon by Donald Trump Yes. Was to run until the fall mm-hmm. and then drop out. Presumably he wouldn't be doing that well. Like he would be well, doing or, okay. Or he'd be doing okay. Or they had a li- one of the advisors literally like listed out the excuses he would have for dropping out that would save face for okay, him. Can like, you give me a couple? Like they were, you know, they would say that like he's now, that he's, his presence in the race has influenced the rest of the Republican field. They've adopted his ideas mm-hmm. and now he feels free to return to the private sector, which is his real passion. Sure. You know, like they had like literally talking points ready <laughs> for when he was going to drop that Wow, one. this is a, and then, there's an alternate history somewhere. <laughs> it's like, a, if he wants to right now, he could go right ahead and say that we would you know, all humor true. him. But it's true. I think at this point, he really has influenced the Republican oh, party. Yeah. Well, I think now he's, he has. I think he's left his mark on mm-hmm. everybody. Um, anyhow, okay, so 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 he was going to drop out in October, and then well, the, for the first thing that happened is in that very first speech he he gave, he ad libbed this thing that wasn't in his speech, the rapist about speech. the the rapist coming across the border, right. the Mexican rapist, yeah, and so immediately within like three days, NBC had canceled their contract with him, yeah. facing huge organized boycotts, yeah. So oh wow, so he was all of a sudden like, oh, oh. that plan's out the window, I guess. Oh, he's like, I won't be able to return to the Apprentice. <laughs> right. I might as well become. I president. might as well, like Plan B, I'll become leader of the free world. This is like it's. Here's the thing about it. I know this is true. I know it in my heart. I can I can tell in my heart because it feels. Because everybody's like, oh, like I talk to people. Actually, we have a writer here. I have debates with him all the time. He's like, this is a plan. They're taking over. It's a coup. It's this and that. I'm like, there's no plan. <laughs> These guys are not. If there were a plan, <laughs> you wouldn't even know. We'd already be. It would be done. Right. Like they're do. It's so. It seems like so. He's just stumbling into everything. And this, this is the thing. I mean, there are like 
there are evil geniuses in his White House, right? There are people like Steve Bannon yeah. who like do ha- they do plot and scheme and they have like grand ideological visions. Trump is not that person. Trump st- <laughs> Trump yeah. stumbled backwards into the yeah. White House. But even Steve Bannon, like I know Steve Bannon's very evil and, and maniacal and scheming, but Steve Bannon's not like a career politician who mm-hmm. understands the mechanisms of government. No, that's like true. our government is very complicated. Yeah. Well, and, as we've seen already, I think, first yeah, I, two I mean, and a half weeks. Or I think whatever. it's like you can write a really badass sounding document, yeah. but executing the document right. is a completely different story. Okay. So, I mean, this is by the way, a fascinating, <laughs> I mean, just hearing it from you, this, like this, what a strange, I mean, you couldn't have known no. obviously well, any of this. I mean, this is the thing. So all through the, like camp, the primaries, like there was this running joke among like media people that were like, "Oh, this is your fault," and there's like a blame McKay hashtag and yeah. stuff. But like it was all jokes. And then when he won the nomination, and then like the jokes became less and less funny. Yeah, and like started to become people more, were like actually they were angry. like kind of accusatory. Right. They were like they were like, "This is your fault." Well, like, let it be. I think let's be, it should be a lesson to all of us to take people. Uh, <laughs> Take them seriously. Take people no matter seriously. how ridiculous well, their estates are. Well, this is the thing about Trump, though, and to go back to the tra- the tragedy of Donald Trump is that like <laughs> that the this go the the whole thing of like people not taking him seriously and sneering at him and laughing at him is like his whole life story. He was born in Queens. If people if people who aren't from New York don't like understand this, but in the nineteen whatever, 50, he was growing up in the 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Can't tell at like, all. <laughs> it's not <laughs> apparent. Like, growing up in Queens, he was rich, but, like, Queens was not, like, a fashionable place to live. And he tells stories. He told me a story about, like, looking across the East River at Manhattan and, like, kind of, like, burning with resentment mm-hmm. for, like, all the insiders there who, like, wouldn't accept him. And, like, his whole life has kind of been defined by wanting to be part of various in-crowds and constantly being rejected and sneered gonna, at. This, this Oliver Stone movie is going to be <laughs> That's fucking incredible. There's a good, there's, like, a, it's a, it has a cinematic yeah. quality no, to it. No, it's definitely, right? like, like, it's Shakespearean yeah. for sure. So you're saying if he had gotten into art school, <laughs> we may not be <laughs> Well, if he, actually, here's the, he went to Wharton, and and here's a little fun nugget. Candace Bergen, who would go on to play Murphy Brown, yeah, uh, she went to school at the same time at UPenn. Uh, he asked her out on a date. She was like homecoming queen. She was like the. He asked her out on a date, and she turned him down, and then like told everyone about it, and oh, it wow. humiliated him. Oh wow! And I always think I'm like Candace Bergen. You like <laughs> if you had just humored Candace him. Candace Bergen <laughs> also also friends with with uh, Charles Manson before the Manson murder. Is that Matt true? Oakrat. Really? Yeah. Is Candace that true? Bergen's got I don't a lot know. Of okay, mm-hmm. we have to fact check. We're gonna get fact check no, on that. No, it's true. But uh, all right, Google that. Uh, but. <laughs> Uh, but that's so. Actually, now you're like, well, if you really want to blame somebody, well, this is my thing. You're like, people start typing the hashtag, <laughs> blame McKay. Yeah, yeah. Blame, I'm gonna like, respond, actually, hashtag blame Candace. This is Bergen. Candace Bergen's fault. If you want to get specific, <laughs> I like the idea that. Um, well, I think of the the Michael Jackson song um, where he talks about looking out across the river at Manhattan. And I think I just think of tra- I'm like transposing Donald Trump into that scene, and it's very like. It's possible he just Human stole, nature. Human he just nature stole is the that song. from yeah, Michael probably, Jackson. He's like, I look out across the river at the Big Apple. I want to take a bite. And you're like, I know that sounds familiar to me. I was like, man, that's kind of poetic. That's but really, it doesn't. Yeah. That's familiar. So, but now look, but we're in living in reality. We're yeah. here in reality. Uh, yeah. Donald Trump, uh, the tragic figure of Donald Trump. He now is the president of the yeah. United States. He is in charge of our military. He's in charge of um, the lawmaking bodies of this country. 
Um, he has uh, what seems like an endless amount of power. I mean, I feel like I feel like we've we've seen the f- the flimsiness of the actual office at play here because mm-hmm. not not the flimsiness in that it doesn't it is flimsy, but that like we thought there were all these like well of course you know people talked about well this is a big government there's checks and balances well, we've seen it's some more, of them. it's more that yeah the, the guardrails of like the democracy right. are maybe not as strong as we thought right well they're not <laughs> i mean that's the thing like like but but the idea that that trump even is president at all is 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 staggering right. to me and and i i'm just curious like so you've been obviously you've been covering this nonstop you're writing about it you're thinking about it yeah. first off is it surprising like legitimately surprising that he's president. Yes. For you. Yes. For me. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Second, <laughs> um, is this how bad as a political writer, as a man who is, who has thought about this and studied it, how bad is this for America? Like it could, to me, it seems, I remember very vividly the Bush years. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I was a, I was a grown person during Bush. Right. Uh, you know, and it was seemed like the end of the world. And some days it seemed like the end of the world. Some days it was like, I can't believe he's getting away with this. I can't believe his cronies are getting away with. I couldn't believe that he got elected. You know, it was like this huge debate over the votes and it got shut down by his friends, you know, and, um, you know, but I don't have any other, I don't have any other parallel. Like there's no comparison that I understand. But this seems yeah. way worse, doesn't it? This is definitely worse. This is definitely, <laughs> I mean, look, look, oh, look, shit. here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. Like, at, so one one thing that I like has very like kept me up at night the last couple of days. Did you see this thing? I mean, so he so the judge this judge in Seattle stopped the, the temporarily so, the stopped judge. the so called so called judge. Yeah. I mean, there might be a judge. George W. Bush appointee. I put judge in quotes when I talk about them. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean yeah. it's all it's the, all the, relative, yeah, right? right? Yeah, um, he stopped the implementation temporarily of the, of the travel ban. Um, and Trump like went off on this thing. Yeah, called him a so-called judge. He went off on a Twitter rant, basically. The yeah. president. I mean, this is the, it's like every oh, it's you crazy. have to keep like reminding yourself how insane this is. President went off on a Twitter rant about this guy all day. But the one tweet that I I think I try I actually try to make a point because I'm covering this stuff and I'm writing about it. I try to make a point not to overreact to every provocation. Right. Because like a lot of it is like just noise, right? right. Like yeah. the Twitter feud with, or like, you know, attacking Meryl Streep. Yeah. Like that's obviously. It's just the president blowing un- off steam It's un- Well, Twitter, it's unseemly. It's, gr- it's bad. But also like, I'm like, we have to pick and choose like what we're going to be right. mad and outraged sure. about, right? Yeah, definitely. But like this, I think literally this is the worst thing that he's done since he's been elected. He said, if something, ha- he said, because of this judge, Bad people are pouring into our country. That's not true, by yeah, the way. Yeah. But and and if something happens, blame this judge and the court system. Yeah. Which is that is I mean, there's no it's other insane. way than to interpret that as an authoritarian. Right. <laughs> as you know, like right. that that is Trump's authoritarian tendencies being manifested. And, and I mean, I guess the super generous interpretation of that is that he's personally worried about a terrorist attack. And is trying to like he has anxiety about it. The reality, I think, yeah. is that he's laying the groundwork to undermine the judiciary if and and to take advantage of some future terrorist attack. Right, which is which is uh, troubling to say the least. <laughs> it's scary. But is it? It's bad. But is it? But to me, some it, kind of Reichstag fire. <laughs> yeah, but but to me, but to me, that the idea seems the way you just said it. The latter version is an incredible. 
incredibly uh, well thought out scheme to make a move. Yeah, which doesn't, or maybe not. I mean, I don't know. Well, that's like, what I'm saying. Like him freaking out on Twitter doesn't actually mean. Sure, that he, has could a, be any, he has a design, right? That's it just what I'm means saying. That that's why they, I think there is the first He's in his option. bathrobe. You know, he's alone. He's in his bathrobe. He couldn't just, find the lights or whatever. Just, just tweeting. He's just tweeting. He's just tweeting, man. Um, no, but I think, it, yeah. So, but but this is the thing. I think that there there's a danger of overestimating Trump. I also think there's a danger of underestimating him. It's not like he needs to have an elaborate, drawn-out evil plan for this stuff. Like, he... The one thing Trump has always had is extremely good media instincts, right? He's, <laughs> yeah. he, he's very good instincts for <laughs> That's how to manipulate feature. the news cycle in the way that he wants it to go. And I think that clearly – and I think that part – this just goes back to his media instincts. He's thinking a couple steps ahead, which is if there is a terrorist attack, a lone wolf terrorist attack, which – Frankly, is probably. I mean, hopefully not, but will probably happen. This is, yeah. you know, it's going to happen in the U.S. most likely at some point in his presidency in the sure. next four years. Sure, he's thinking, how do I make sure that this doesn't reflect badly on me, and that I that I can find someone else to blame? But but it happened before his. It happened during the 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 campaign. I mean, there were lone wolf terrorist sure. attacks, and he used them, but. But 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 what's to me, it doesn't seem like they made much of an impression. I mean, I remember thinking. Like San Bernardino, I remember thinking when this happened, I'm like, oh, God. And, and No, San Bernardino did, though, in the primaries. Here, the, the people forget Trump at that – this was, what, early December, I think, when that when the San Bernardino uh, shooting happened? Yeah, maybe. I don't remember. December, someone Ryan, will check, Ryan will check it out. Early 2015. Let's just say. December 2015. <laughs> sure. He, right around that time, he was – he Ben Carson had pulled ahead in the polls in Iowa, and he had kind of plateaued, Trump had, in, in the polls. And – Right. And as and then the San Bernardino shooting happened and he seized on it in his speeches and his rhetoric. Yeah. That's when he announced well, the, Muslim the Muslim ban. ban yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Muslim yeah. Ban. And it propelled him forward. It really did. It kept him in the game, basically. Right. OK. And so so I, I mean, kept him in the game. He did only win by 70,000 votes. I think this is important to mm -hmm. right. It is like 70. I mean, I, I one of the things I keep telling myself is that like there is through gerrymandering and some flukes of like and I mean, some some deficits in, in, in Hillary Clinton's campaigning and some just a random shit that happened and his celebrity, like 70,000 votes squeaked through here and there and like he became president. Right. But it wasn't like this overwhelming mandate for Donald Trump. Well, to become, no, I mean, he, he lost the popular vote by three million votes. <laughs> right, I mean, that's right. like that, and, that and, says something. And, and I think, you know, it's, it, it's it's probably it's probably an argument to be made that like the Republicans have been just moving lines a little bit here and there for so long that that helped considerably in some of these in some of these well uh, but not in the state but i mean it helped them when they keep the house right, right. It, it, the, the the republicans majority in the house is largely protected because of the gerrymandered districts that they've done right but he won states right he won electoral he, he won the yeah, electoral college that's right but there's again no, there's no debating but that by very few votes like by very, very few by yeah. pennsylvania michigan wisconsin like won these very narrow so i want we should take a quick break okay and then we'll be back with more of this very enlightening conversation. <laughs> We all rely on technology like computers, phones, and tablets on a daily basis. I'll bet you're listening to this on one of those devices right now. But unfortunately, all that screen time can put a strain on your eyes and lead to headaches, blurred vision, and increased sensitivity to light. 
Thankfully, Crizal no-glare lenses protect your eyes from the glare of digital screens, as well as the harmful effects of blue-violet light, helping to safeguard your eyes from potential damage. They can protect your eyes from harmful UV light by providing 25 times more UV protection than going without eyewear. Crizal lenses give you the clearest vision possible by offering resistance to scratches and smudges, and that means no more fingerprints after taking your glasses on or off or damage from cleaning your lenses on your shirt, which is a very dangerous and inadvisable thing to do. And because Crizal lenses reduce distracting glare, your friends and family can actually see your eyes, not just your glasses. Look better, feel better, and most importantly, be prepared for whatever comes your way with clear vision. Go to Crizal.com to learn more. That's C-R-I-Z-A-L.com and start living life in the clear. Uh, If you're running an e-commerce business, Whiplash is your virtual warehouse. Just send your products to a Whiplash facility so that when orders come in, Whiplash packs and ships them just like you would with care and heart, but faster and cheaper. Leave the logistical hassle of order fulfillment to them and save money on shipping costs while doing so. Your holiday sales shouldn't be stressful. Next time, get Whiplash. They have facilities in Detroit, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and London. And listeners to this podcast can get $100 credit when signing up at getwhiplash.com slash tomorrow. Okay, we're back with McKay Coppins. We're talking about, uh, we're not talking about politics, weirdly. We're just <laughs> talking about sports. Um, uh, go, so, go Pats. I wanna, are you a Pats fan? I, yeah, I grew up in Massachusetts. Wow. I, 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 I with Donald I, Trump, was rooting, <laughs> he was rooting the Patriots. What a crazy country we live <laughs> with, in. With Richard uh, Spencer. And I don't even like, I don't care about, I don't care about <laughs> football at all. But I knew that I really wanted the Patriots to lose. I, know, I, it's, it's, I, I feel know. like it would have been symmetrical in some way for Atlanta to beat the Patriots. I but know. Well, you know it what? felt weird because I did like I as a Patriots fan have been conditioned to like love when everyone is rooting against my team. Yeah. But this time everyone was rooting against my team because like neo Nazis were rooting for them. So I mean, it was like that's a little bit. R- Richard Spencer was like on Twitter, like say, you know. Yeah. I so was I actually, kinda, it was like a little bit more conflicted. But I, I mean, I was still rooting. For sure. Them. I mean, they're your team. I get it. Uh, uh, you have to carry that burden with you everywhere you go. Uh, it's totally understandable. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I mean, Richard Spencer. I, I, I uh, saw his tweet, which is like, "Here's why the Pats are great. Like the <laughs> whitest so quarterback." And I was just like, I actually, I tweeted something about it, but I do feel like, it, it, to me, it seems like it, he must be physically uncomfortable feeling the oh, way I he feels that. all the time. <laughs> like it actually looks like it actually to me being like, this lame must be yeah. like. I mean, literally. I think it's, I think he must feel a way that's very bad. It, I mean, I hate to, I, now I sound sympathetic towards him, but like I don't I don't feel any sympathy for him for him except I do think it's like does he not can he not see how distant he is from reality. From reality. Like, it's just not. And from empathy and from being a good person. Yeah, it's like, just like, like, what's like, the point? Like, what would your country, like, what's the, here's the one thing I think, sorry, not to rant, but I think, like, what do you want? Like, a bunch of white people here? It would be so fucking boring. <laughs> like, America would be so boring with just white people. Like, I know enough white people to be like, I, it just would not be fun. And so I don't know what he wants. Like, just what's, think what seamless would look like. It would just I know. Like, <laughs> like, what, yeah, what can you get? I, Sausage? A burger? I don't know, like <laughs> schnitzel? I don't know what, anyhow, but the point is, seamless. that's actually a really good idea for a pop-up website, which is <laughs> like post-racial post cleansing seamless, which is like one, there's one restaurant. Um, 
So, so, okay. So let's talk about, uh, uh, we were talking about Trump. <laughs> he seems highly, it seems like Trump is highly impeachable. Th- this thing about we were just talking about the San Bernardino shooting and, and, and I'm actually trying to understand this cause I really don't, but like, first off, he gets into office, he signs a bunch of executive orders. They're all re- pretty, most of them are pretty bad and bad for America and have just reversed things that Obama has sort of like we think maybe fix like pipelines and, and healthcare and whatever else, but, um, I'm not fixed, but at least like made some, some what seemed like positive headway on, but then there's this like executive order. It's this immigration ban. The immigration ban cites nine 11. This is the thing to me that's most striking is that nine 11 happened 15, 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing he does is he cites a terrorist attack that happened uh, almost two decades ago, which is ancient fucking history. I mean, to me, it's like, you know, I mean, if you grew up, if you were a kid then, now it's like just like really, really ancient history. To me, it's ancient history. We haven't had a terrorist attack like that, not even close in America. Now, we might. We could have one tomorrow. Who who knows? Because anything is possible. But we've had some lone wolf shootings here. We've had – my guess is I, I haven't seen these numbers or I've seen them in passing. More white guys who are angry with a gun shooting people than we've had Muslims with a gun shooting people. I don't know the stats. Maybe you do. Um but he suddenly makes this, this, this a huge issue about immigration and about Muslims or, or refugees, people mm. from Syria, people from Sudan, people from, you know, all these countries. Um, but he did. So this is the thing. People are like, this is unconstitutional. People see it as um, a religious, a religion focused ban, yeah. not a ban focused on safety based on like the normal strata of options that you would, you know, right. but it's like we need to give preference to Christians, something he said. Yeah. Right. And Muslims need to be banned is also something he said verbatim and made a statement about it and has on his website. Right. So here's my question. In the legal realm of, the, of, of America, and I, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, is that stuff applicable? Is it, is it, can we say like the president's asking for something unconstitutional? Are, they, are you saying are these reasons he could be impeached? I, well, let's, let's, let's take it out of the impeachment question for a second. We, I want to talk about that. But like, just when we talk about whether this ban sticks or not, yeah, can a can a lawyer effectively argue that the statements that he made speak to this um, ban? They will. They they'll try to make that argument. The the um, this is going to go to the Supreme Court, obviously. Um, to the Supreme Court, yes, <laughs> the one missing a <laughs> the, member, right? The four, the the eight member Supreme Court, where this could end up a tie, right? And if it is a tie, by the way, it means that it stands. The federal, the this executive order stands. Right. That's what happened, right? Um, so yeah, they'll they'll argue that the intent of this was to discriminate against Muslim immigrants, and as evidence, they'll cite his campaign speeches where right. he said. I'm going to discriminate against Muslim right. immigrants. And Ru- Rudy like Giuliani, you have this clip of Rudy Giuliani, which is like almost so perfect. I can't, you couldn't it's write a, it into a script if you amazing. wanted to, where he's like, Trump came to me and said, I want to ban Muslims. How do I do it legally? Yeah. Which yeah. is, right. which is illegal for, would be illegal <laughs> for the president to ask. Correct. I mean, at least unconstitutional for well, the president. Unconstitutional. To ask. So, right. so the, 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 so I think the issue, the two issues that they're going to have to prove the people who are arguing against this, the lawyers who are in, in court arguing against it. One is they're going to have to argue that the states who are suing over this have standing to sue. 
Um, and that's an open question. It's not clear whether, for example, the state of Washington or the state of Minnesota, who are suing the the federal government over this, actually have the standing to do it. Why would why wouldn't why would or wouldn't they have? Well, the so standing? they argue that because it affects their the people in their state. That's what the that it right. that they have standing. It does to, like some material harm to right to because we have Muslims in our state. We right. have you know refugees and immigrants, whatever. Right. Um, but the, there's a lot of you know court precedent, legal precedent that says the states don't have the ability, the standing to sue over executive orders of this kind. The right. president does have a lot of uh, latitude when it comes to immigration policy. Right. The second one. The second question is equal. Uh, and you could have much smarter legal minds talk about this. On <laughs> I'm, this, I'm on planning this podcast. on getting them. Um, You're just a setup. But, but yeah, no, this is the cliff notes here. <laughs> yeah. um, the the it, do, you know are immigrants uh, people who are not citizens of the United States? Do they are they protected under the equal uh, equal protect equal rights protections of the Constitution? Right. Right. That, that's the other question. Yeah. Um, so those those will be. A, How and does then that one be a, seem to you? I mean, I, mean, what, I think I think yes. I think that if the if an immigration system set up by the federal government is designed to discriminate against people of a certain religion, that's clearly unconstitutional. Now, the, they're going to argue though that it's not about religion. They're going to say we didn't say all Muslims couldn't come here. We said right. people from these seven countries couldn't come here. Right. And there is precedent for the federal government restricting immigration according to nationality. Right. Um, right. Is there a difference between the fact that some of people that he's banning are immigrants and some are refugees? Like, well, legally? actually, the big, the biggest difference, the biggest problem with the executive order was that it included current green card holders. Right. It included people who had already been through the vetting system, been allowed into the country legally, given a green card, which means they had resident permanent resident status. They went on vacation and then they weren't allowed back into the country, which is insane. That, and and actually, you've already seen leaks coming out of the Trump administration where high level cabinet officials are like appalled that that even happened and right. they weren't consulted. Right. His secretary of state, his secretary of defense, neither of them were even consulted on the details right. of this executive order. Right. So things. So, you know, who we'll we'll see what happens. I think that it's unlikely that in its current form, this executive order is going to stand. But I, I'm hard. I, I've had a hard time making predictions like that because we, <laughs> right. we're in such uncharted territory every day now. Right. Like, it's like you don't really – I mean it doesn't seem like the um, – yeah, I mean we were saying before those guardrails that you expect mm -hmm. to be in place that would go like, oh, well, this seems insane. Why are we doing this? Well, there's a mechanism within the government that will make sure that this doesn't well, happen. Well, and so far, I mean I will say the sign of hope is that as of now, a federal judge – ruled that this was, you know, unconstitutional and it's and as of now the Homeland Security uh, agency is not enforcing it. Right. The Department of Homeland Security has stopped enforcing it. Right. That is the way that this government is supposed to work. Right. 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 The, a judge made a but it's ruling. Just not, it's not. It's not. It's but very it's not clear that that'll keep happening. Right. Like if you have Trump out there saying blame the judge, blame the court system. Right. What if he decides not to follow the next? But people in the government. Well, that is the question. So right. so people in the government seems to me like and I actually want to talk about this because I want to talk about these leaks and I want to talk about like where that's coming from and what it means but it does seem to me that people in the government by and large and I think and, and maybe you will agree and disagree or disagree with this even Republicans even Republicans who are like outwardly supporting Trump mm -hmm. they can't do you think they possibly see that Trump as their lifeline or is this like is he a bigger problem than he's worth at some point I mean Republicans in Congress yeah. I mean, th anybody who's supporting, who would support Donald Trump yeah. at this moment, you know, we're two weeks in. So you would imagine there's some goodwill. They're like, well, okay, you screwed up. They're trying up a few to give things. him the benefit of the doubt. Right. But, but at some point, doesn't it, 
isn't this catastrophic if it keeps going in this way for Republicans? I mean, if, if Steve Bannon calls the shots and Donald Trump's calling the shots and they can kind of uh, do whatever they want and say whatever they want, then like an establishment Republican. Yeah. There's no like safe ground for them to stand. No, there. Right? I mean, we we've I've, the Republicans I'm talking to on the Hill are like privately when you you know they're not on the record, are you know they're so they're already exhausted and we're two and a half weeks in. Like right. the one quote I saw and I think it was the Washington Post or somewhere else was that they're tired of the chaos. Right. Yeah. Like oh, they it, don't, they don't want it, the the reason that so like Paul Ryan and all these people are going along with Trump right now is because they this is the first time. Uh, in a very long time, in decades, that the Republicans have controlled the presidency and both chambers of, of Congress, right? right? So they see this as a once-in-a-lifetime shot at passing all their legislation, right? right. Uh, reform, you know, uh, uh, budget cuts and entitlement, you know, changing the entitlement programs and tax cuts and rewriting the tax code and all these fiscal uh, issues that Paul Ryan cares so deeply about. Right. Like, He's like, all right, this is going to be my one shot. We're going to try to go along with Trump's, try to stay on his nice side and uh, get him to just like rubber stamp all the stuff. Right. That we're in, writing, in, right? within, but isn't the won't the won't the reaction to this be very uh, meaningful like from yes. the, from the left? I mean, I mean, isn't are we already starting to see like a kind of uh, reinvigorating mm -hmm. of the Democrats or of people who lean left? In a way that we probably haven't seen. That, I mean, the, I mean, it, it it makes it makes Bush the Bush stuff look mild by comparison because during the Bush years we barely had like the internet or social media mm -hmm. to amplify any of the stuff. I mean, I look at the women's march or all of these protests that happened immediately as the ban took place, as the ban took to, uh, went into effect, and it's not. That's not normal for America. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't see spontaneous protests in multiple cities, including places in the South, including you know places on the West and in, in East Coast. Mm -hmm. This is a different climate, right? It's I mean, it, it, yes, it, I think the the at the rise in activism we've seen in just the first two weeks is a testament to how uh, invigorated the left is. Um, I think that uh, you know, showing uh, the the thing that ha that this has to transform into is it has to be putting direct political pressure on candidates and office holders right, right right like it's good to show up at the airports right because that's how you draw you know when the muslim ban or the travel ban was in place showing up at the airports is how you get cameras there it's how you uh you know amplify the the media attention but what you but what long term needs to happen if you're a, a activist who wants to oppose donald trump and his agenda is you need to be showing up at your congressional representatives town halls uh, you need to be calling your congressional offices. Uh, you need to be putting political pressure on people running for office, right? right. And, that, and, and supporting candidates that that oppose the agenda that you want to oppose. That's the only way. The Tea Party showed this, right? The Tea Party in 2009 <laughs> and 10, like, they started out. It's so funny, the parallels, because you already see, like, Sean Spicer, the White House press secretary, is saying, oh, all these activists, this is just astroturf. This is exactly what Democrats were saying about the early Tea Party protests, right? right? This is AstroTurf. They're paid protesters. It's, you know, funded by these big conservative organizations. It doesn't mean anything. And then next to, next thing you know, it's 2010 and they're taking over Congress, right? right. So yeah. that, that I think— Do you is, think that's happening on the left? I think it could happen. I think that we have to see where, what direction it goes, right? Like it can't just be 
you know, yelling and shouting about Donald Trump and how much you hate him and how he's orange and ugly, right? right like, right. it has to, there has to be a, a point to it all. Yeah, I think the orange and ugly attacks are actually kind of the worst. I think, like, the, like, I, you know, do I think Trump is attractive? Do I think his skin color is natural? <laughs> no, no, but I think it's like it never, you never really get anywhere by going, like, he's ugly right. or like he's fat or whatever. Well, because it's like, it, that's not effective. Because you just go end up sinking to what Donald Trump right. does, what, you, well, what you're but attacking Trump you're also for. You're not telling right? people things they don't already know. Right, but, but in defense, Defense of, but in defense of, I will say one thing. It's is also like, just lame. It's yeah, like no, it lame is. I, and, and boring I, it, and lazy. And, they're, they're not good. They're not. Yeah. They're not they're productive. Ne- they're never attacks. funny. Like calling him President Cheeto is never funny. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's just it's dumb. But also, it's also like, you know, I just think that thing. I will say, you know, they go low and we go high. It's like, well. <laughs> Maybe you don't go as high. Like you, we want to go. I mean, Democrats have this have this tendency to go like we're not going. We're just not going to respond. And it's like you know, at some point, maybe it's yeah. okay to respond in some way. Like show that you actually are in this. That you actually care. I mean, I think you know, the Bernie Sanders for all of the the negatives that there are about Bernie Sanders. I mean, he's by no means he was by no means perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, but he was authentic, and he 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 was. Well, he was very loud. I mean, he was loud. And, he, you know, and I think people really responded to the fact that he was somebody who sounded like they were, were coming from a place of authenticity and coming from the heart. And but the we're fact, not yeah, backing, but we're not backing he, down from a lot of the, the— Yeah, the fact that he was kind of a crank and was, like, shouting. Like, yeah. people responded to that. Like, no, they that's liked the strangest that thing. Like that, I'm like, oh, know? this old Jewish guy? Yeah, he's going to be president? Sure. <laughs> but then, like, shockingly, people were like, I like—it's like you like—this guy's like my cranky <laughs> uncle. This is like— Russia shun a dinner. This guy's right. always there. But <laughs> and now and now he's like you're going to be president of the United States. Well, that's the thing. It's like, but I it don't is know. authenticity, right? This yeah. is the thing that was lacking in the Clinton campaign. Like yeah. everything felt so like so focus grouped and poll tested, and like every debate she had some like terrible like trickle down da- trumped up trickle down economics yeah, yeah, or like, like catchphrases. Like, yeah, like, go to the polls. <laughs> which is the it's just yeah. like okay, okay, okay. We get yeah. It. yeah so no, yeah, it's true. The authenticity it's... is part. That, that's from the other side, though, right? So the activist. If you're an anti-Trump activist, you should be putting pressure on political, uh, uh, directly on political office holders. If you're a Democrat or a Republican who opposes Trump, there are some of those. Like you need to find an authentic way to communicate your message to the the Obama Trump voters, right? Yeah. The people who voted for Obama in 2012 and voted for Trump in Which 2016. Which are like, what is that? What is the what is the psychology of those people? They just want the person who says they'll have the most change. <laughs> well, yeah, they're people who don't have like cushy, great lives like us. Right? Yeah, but I mean, but, but I, <laughs> I but mean, the, the, I think it really is though. It's you want it's the change message that they're responding to. The, right. It's people. It's, Which is why Bernie was working. Yeah, and Ber- and right. that's why you, it's the, like you haven't seen Bernie on TV before, and he now hears some crazy guy screaming about exactly. how like you're getting railroaded by by. Mm-hmm. Of big banks, and you're and, like, yeah, and you that felt sounds like, right. Well, maybe this guy actually would like bring radical change to Washington. That, no, that's I, all think Bernie Sanders, wanted, I actually think right? Bernie Sanders might. I, I think Donald Trump is the radical change is, is is like he's going more radically crony, like <laughs> well, like yeah, like he took cronyism to like an even more yeah, extreme yeah. place. So let's talk. I want to talk about a Steve Bannon, um, who is everybody's like. I don't know. I feel like this thing all seems so scripted that I find it hard to believe sometimes where it's like, it's like, well, Steve Bannon's really pulling the strings. It's like, oh yeah, of course. Like he's got this kind of like character behind the scenes who's this Machiavellian mastermind or whatever. 
and and Trump and this thing about oh Trump was upset because Sean Spicer was played on SNL by a woman. Yeah, I just I read all this stuff and some I'm of like, it is hard to like. I'm like, come yeah. on, is this really? It just seems so. It feels it's, too perfect. It's just it so obvious. Too, like yeah. it's something that a 14 year old boy would be upset about. <laughs> like, like why did they have Sean be a woman? That's so offensive. It's like why? Who cares? Like how yeah. could he possibly care? Yeah, yeah. But then I think like it must be true because because everything else that you think is too impossible to believe <laughs> seems real too. So there are a ton of leaks coming from inside of yeah. inside of the White House. I mean, to me, it feels like this is by far the leakiest White House. It's insane. Ever. Usually White House. I mean, there have been leaky White Houses in the past, but it's not usually in the first two weeks of the yeah. administration where multiple. The New York Times had a story. I can't remember what it was, but they cited three administration officials. Like, who are these three administration yeah. Yeah, who officials are I mean, who actually, are confirming I, negative I mean, stories they, about who, the president? Who would they be? Is this like are they are they fucking with the press? Well, no. Well, that's possible. I'm actually very wary of that when I'm talking to people in that because I, I you know I still report on this stuff. Well, and I you want to find people, a leak? You want to find a leaker? Right. You know, but you, you also find, have like, to be worried that they're setting you up, like they're planting false stories right. to make you look well, stupid. Like the bathrobe later, thing. Right? Yeah, right. I mean, the bathroom. Said, I mean, I love making jokes about the bathrobe thing and the light switch <laughs> thing, and I and I can totally understand if it's true. I mean, you know, the light switch thing I think is blown out of proportion, but I understand. Like, we have lights in my house where one you have to turn it on on one side, but it doesn't work well, on the other. Yeah, yeah, I can understand how in the White House there might be large. I don't rooms. even actually care about that. I'm like, okay. why, why? Who cares about the but white? The like, detail, the, but the what de- do you do with this? It's just the level I mean, of detail was, yeah, is what yeah, yeah. is what's no, so interesting right, to right, me. Sure. So, so what is like? How do you? Well, uh, th- this is the th- this is where the leaks are coming from. The reality is that Trump's it's the Trump's White House, like Trump's campaign, is constantly fractured into warring factions. Is this right? true? Yes. That that is I want that to be that true. That is absolutely true. I want I want to know that like inside of Trump's little world things are bad. He sets it well no <laughs> but he sets it up this way. Like he he likes he wants his people to be competing mm. with each other. This is what people said him, about Bloomberg right? actually. But it's really interesting. Well, so, but here's the which thing. Which is not entirely untrue. Well and so but here's the thing. So like Trump uh, you know, so he has like Reince Priebus, who's like ultimate establishment Washington insider, mm-hmm. like mainline Republican guy, right? Uh, is his chief of staff, and then his chief strategist is Steve Bannon, who want, who ran this crazy website and wants to burn down the establishment and you know build something new, right? Yeah. And so they wow. have the they what, have their. Do you know what he wants to build by the way? Well, a nationalist, you know, a nationalist government. He just like he's he also he's really a, likes white people. He's, <laughs> he's I don't I, get, I don't get I think liking. if you asked what his favorite race was. It probably like white people. Yeah, I just don't get liking white people that much. I mean, they're fine. They're fine, but they're not. They're not that interesting. I I honestly think the most strange thing about it is like, do you like? uh, Anyhow, I've already made this point that I think so. I think it would be boring. But so okay, so there. So you've got these rents. Rents case against white supremacy. It really is. It's just boring. I think boredom is a good case. Rents Priebus over here. Uh, uh, with a, who has a totally normal name that I love, and Steve Bannon, <laughs> and then Steve Bannon, and and so those and those are ba- the two main factions. And then there's and so and they each have their own fleet of people who are kind of on their side. Right. And then there's all and then there's kind of separate from all of it is uh, Ivanka and Jared Kushner, right? Who are like they have their own kind of like special, obviously special way into talking to Trump because they're related. Sure. So and so it's kind of those three power centers. And but a have, lot of and a lot of the leaks you saw during the campaign was just the different power centers trying to undermine each other or bad or, or you know make the other side look bad right. or sh- fire a shot across the bow. Right. Or the other thing is, sorry, the other thing is that Trump is uniquely somebody who like 
takes a lot of puts a lot of stock in what he sees on cable television. Mm -hmm. And so and what he reads in the New York Times and the New York Post, which are his two favorite newspapers. (laughs) Really opposite ends of the spectrum there. (laughs) So. So if you can get so a lot of a lot of this is, I think I can't prove this, but I've had a lot of people, pretty knowledgeable people who have speculated this to me, that a lot of this is Trump's own advisors trying to get across to Trump by leaking to his favored media outlets. Right. right? right. Like so that he'll read The New York Times and be like, well, this New York Times story says that we're not doing well on X, Y, Z. Maybe we need to do something different. You know, so so this story about Bannon being. Give, putting this order in front of him where he gets added to the National Security Council. Yeah. Um, and that, that Trump was... didn't really know. This is in the Times mm-hmm. yesterday, right? Uh, how real could that possibly be? Is <clears> that true? I mean, if that's true, that to me seems like. It could. I mean, look, so just let's make clear for the record that Trump has pushed back against <laughs> that pretty strongly. But I think that. It could be true. It could definitely be true. I will say the two White House, the two reporters who wrote that in the New York Times are extremely well sourced, probably of, you know, aside from like Sean Hannity, you know, (laughs) have like the most lines into the inner circle. So it's it's pretty likely there's some truth to it. It's true. It's also possible that somebody was trying to make undermine Steve Bannon because there's nothing that gets Trump madder than one of his advisors, than making it look like one of his advisors is pulling the strings. So, 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 so so that's true. So the idea that like Trump is a puppet of Steve Bannon's upsets Trump. Oh yeah. No, he definitely doesn't like that. (laughs) That, And in fact, I've heard, (laughs) this this was reported and I also have heard this, that he hated that Bannon was on the cover of Time Magazine. So the current issue of Time Magazine is like, Bannon's face and it says like the great manipulator or something like right, that right. and Trump apparently is like fuming over that really he hates that okay yeah. so that's good so but this is like Rance Priebus and 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 Kushner hypothetically but hypothetically it's like we it would also, like to because the truth is if it were just if if Steve Bannon were out of the picture it's likely that that Trump's more democratic leaning interests might be or at least moderate interests might be brought to the forefront, right? Like he can, he obviously doesn't just have ideas on his own. I mean, he has some ideas on his own, right? but it seems like he's heavily influenced by Ben. I think the reason this whole idea of, but, and like, again, all, a lot of this is speculative. So I can't like say that I like know for sure, but I think a lot of the idea that Bannon is pull is like the puppet master has come from the fact that Trump ideologically has been all over the map over the course of his life. Like he's been a Democrat or Republican and independent. He was part of Ross Perot's reform party. Like he's all over the place. He was pro choice. And then he wanted to punish women who got abortion. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Right. So that's what I I don't think he knew what he was saying, by the way. I have to say, I I think he, what he said was stupid and horrible, but it seemed like in one of those moments, it was like, he didn't really understand what was being asked of him. But but I think that that's often, this is a tangent, but I think that often what would happen, because he's not a real, he doesn't come from conservatism, right? Like, I don't think he understands pro-life people at all. And I think when that question started, this was during the primary. When Chris Matthews asked him that question about abortion, like, should women be punished? I think his, like, the wheels were turning in his mind and he was like, what would pro-life people want me to say? What what would they want me to say? Uh, Yeah, we we should punish them, right? Like, which which it's funny, 
because I talked to social conservatives who were like offended that they thought that's how that Trump thought that was how he needed to pander to them. Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure every group that Trump has pandered to must be offended in some way. I mean, there's, there's no shortage of it. I mean, that, but those are the kinds of things where I'm like, he just isn't his brain isn't he functioning. Yeah, well, here. And, like, yeah. or maybe it is. Maybe or, or you're he right. just or he hasn't thought. I mean, he hasn't thought about a lot of this stuff at all. Yeah. But that's that goes back to my point that I think that Bannon is somebody who has a track record of like he's thought about this stuff a lot. Yeah. And he is like a very refined uh, policy vision of what he wants America to look like. And he's talked about it extensively and he's written about it. And so I think people think like where is this agenda coming from? Right. It's probably not coming from Trump's brain because he's been all over the place. It must be coming from this ideologue that he has in right. the office. Well, next it, it maps. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. But I mean, how long? How long is it sustainable? I mean, because I want you. What I, I just want to get to, and and you know, we have only a little bit of time left, but I do want to talk about this. And then you must be feeling this. It is very fatiguing. We've been doing this now. This is like Trump's presidency has lasted all of two and a half weeks or something. Yeah. And it feels like two fucking years. I mean, it feels like <laughs> every, every moment of every day, I feel like I'm living on this. And, and it's not even like, you know, we cover some of the stuff, not all of it. We're not like encyclopedic. Doesn't it feel to you like this pace is impossible to keep up that there has to be some slowdown or some <laughs> dramatic shift in how we're operating. I mean, it's as I a think, nation. I think that is, that's like, if that might just be like wishful thinking because we're like all so exhausted. It definitely is wishful right? thinking. But, but no, but I think that like I think the concern – so the uh, I'll put in a plug for my uh, – the magazine I work for. The, the Atlantic's – the Atlantic uh, – the issue that just hit newsstands today, the cover story is how to build an autocracy. And it's about uh, – it's about how Trump could theoretically, hypothetically – build an authoritarian state in the United States in 2017, right? Mm -hmm. the, in modern times, in right? Um, oh, you mean within yeah, like, this, right, age, in this, in this age, age, right? Because yeah, yeah. it's not going to so look... Like, you're like, here's the 365-day plan. Here's <laughs> your wondering. We, we, we just set it right to Bannon. Yeah. We, we're yeah. like, here you go, buddy. Just, yeah, slide that over. Um, uh, but one of the things, it, one of the the things that is absolutely necessary, like the preconditions for this to be able to happen, and again, who knows? Maybe Trump won't do it. Maybe he doesn't want to. Whatever. But the pre one of the preconditions is that the electorate, the public, just gets so tired of opposing him and so tired of talking and fighting about politics and you know showing up at calling their congressional reps and showing up at protests and that they just kind of tune out. That a large right. part of the population is like you know what, I'm just going to be done with politics for a little while and I'm going to, you know, think about movies and TV and music and all that and limit my social media to that and right. limit my discussion to that and, and that's all I'm going to do, right? right. And, and, like, I think that the thing that we have to guard against is we, we have to be ready for the possibility that it won't slow down, right? right? That it's just going to keep going like this for years. Yeah. And we have to find a way. I mean, look, we have to take care of ourselves like mentally. Like yeah. you can't just be in perpetual like, you know, combative mode all the time. But I Watch think we need me. to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but I feel that. I wake. I, I mean, I'm waking up in the middle of the night. I'm waking up in the morning. And I just feel like what? is next yeah like, i mean maybe like i don't know i'm not like an expert on how to, well, but people to in the news, maintain people, mental health but i think people you in do the need news to business are probably a little more right you right know, and, and i think you need to check in and out at time right like i i, I try to take like 
Sundays off. Like try to not <laughs> Sunday's be, a bad day to take off <laughs> well, for, for the news, as it turns out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I think that we need to be find a way to continue to be vigilant and be ready for that possibility that right. just keeps going. That the, the, the Bannon the, the Bannon Priebus war just keeps going. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, I just and maybe there will be the, the the thing is Trump went through three campaign managers during his campaign, right. like. You know, Bannon or Priebus could be out next week and there'll be someone new and then a whole new set of rivalries. And like you just, you know, like I think there's going to be a lot of chaos. If if this if this ban gets knocked back in a more permanent way or in a way that's like, I mean, my assumption would be they're like in the form that it exists. It's not going to fly. Find another form. What what is the is there fallout from that? I mean, is there immediate fallout from that? Does that seem like an obvious thing in the political arena where um you would see I, I think what it would do is get probably emboldened Trump's opposition, right? The people who are opposing him would see a victory, right? right. They'd have something like how and even though that, you know, if the Supreme Court knocks it down, that's not directly related to how many, you know, activists showed up at JFK. Right. But I think that they'll be able to see he is stoppable, right? Like there it is possible to have tangible results here. I think that would be the most likely effect. Right. Like, I mean, it seems to me like even even this, I mean, you know, the, the the conservatives on the Supreme Court have to look at Trump through a lens that is that yeah, is actually, not that generous. I no, mean, I, I think that I, like I have maybe I'm being naive here, but I have hope in the judiciary at least as a way to to keep presidential you know power in check that is in the next four years because I don't think that like conservatives on the Supreme Court feel any fealty to Donald Trump. Right, like and, I think and, that they're and, gonna, they're more worried about. You know, most generously, they're worried about their own interpretation of the Constitution. They're also worried about their own legacies, right? right? Like, right. They're, and they're not up for re-election, and they don't have to worry about that stuff. And I think that federal <laughs> judges in general— They just have to worry about dying. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> That's the only thing they have to so, worry about. So I, I, as long as Trump doesn't actually find some way to permanently undermine the judiciary, right. I feel some hope that we'll, that'll keep him in check. But we have a pretty highly complex— <clears throat> judiciary and legal system in this country. It's not like you can just dismantle it overnight. Right. I mean, the Supreme Court is the Supreme Court. That doesn't change. You can't alter these bodies, right? Mm-hmm. You can't just go like, well, actually, the Supreme Court's not going to be as important here. Well, the fear uh, is that the Supreme Court rules on something and Trump decides to ignore it and just ish- and tells his administration to do what he wants. Okay, right? so then what, like what they is, have no enforcement <clears throat> arm. Well, no, that, but that, that, but what so is then that? You're, then you're in a constitutional crisis. Right. And that's but that rises to like military. Right. Well, yeah, because the problem is and 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 this is ha- Andrew Jackson, actually Trump's hero. OK. Andrew famous. Jackson was president. What year? <laughs> the 19th century. Okay. So and Andrew Jackson, he's the he's the president that Trump most compares himself to. They have the he put the Andrew Jack. He was a populist yeah. figure. Yeah. So, the Trail of Tears. Yeah. So yeah. the Trail of Tears, though, is an example where the Supreme Court ruled on on displacing Native Americans, they said that you, it was not constitutional, and then the federal the state went ahead and did it anyway. And depending on historians' interpretations, and Andrew Jackson either just looked the other way or actively supported their right to do that. But in either case, the problem is that the Supreme Court doesn't have an enforcement arm. There's no the Supreme Court can't send their military yeah. in to enforce what they just ruled. Yeah. The, it, the whole thing depends on a basic measure of good faith. Where you just assume that if the Supreme Court decides something, the president's going to go along with it. So is there no recourse? What's the recourse? Well, the recourse would be that you hope that there are enough people in the military and in the and in the federal government in the deep state, right? People who are just federal employees or bureaucrats 
that would not follow a, an order from the president that defies a, the Supreme Court. Right? Do, do those people exist in your mind? Oh yeah, there are definitely people like that. I, but I mean, like, we're we're real in, patriots, we're in real, real patriots. Yes, I think, and and they're conservatives and de- and liberals. I think that there are real people who care about the country more than they care about Donald Trump. Right. I, I will say, but we're in very hypothetical territory here. We're hoping. Yeah, we yeah never we're like get, three stages yeah. away, but we're not that far. <laughs> but we're not as far as we were like two years yeah, ago. Yeah, sure, fine, or <laughs> ten years ago, or right. whatever. Like right. most likely, yeah. So hopefully, we never get to the constitutional crisis stage. But if we get there, I mean, there, it's crazy that we're at the point where, like, the Washington Post is running stories, like, explainers that are like, what happens in a constitutional crisis? <laughs> like, yeah, that, it's, that's it's, now happening. It is crazy. I mean, I don't know. I mean, to me, it feels like I said this on election night. I was like, I think this is like uh, Donald Trump winning is the end of America as we know it. I mean, I really do. And I have to say the fact that we're sitting here talking about any possible scenario where we have to, like, figure out what happens in 2017 if Donald Trump, if the president defies the Supreme Court and maybe the military gets involved, maybe there are deep state figures that get involved. Like we are talking about a plot of a fucking movie. I mean, we're not talking about, we're not talking about the United States of America where, you know, we're arguing over gay marriage, Mm -hmm. right? We're, we're, you know, we're arguing over something much more fundamental to the existence of this country, which is like, who is in control here? Yeah. And, and I don't know, I feel like, that's very disturbing. Am I crazy to think that? No, it's like I don't, I don't actually, I just brought you in for therapy. I just need somebody to tell me. <laughs> Am I here to just like validate? Just your tell me that my concerns are real. It's, you or know, not. you're you're entitled to your feelings. No, Thank I you. think that um, <laughs> I you, like I think you're right to be concerned. I th- but I but again, like the the weird thing about this is that it's not like at journalists. I feel like political journalists are so programmed to like not take sides and like, well, let me just give you the analysis. Like, to me, this isn't a partisan issue at all. It's not like a conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat thing. This right. is like a, and there are a lot of real debates in those in that world. Right. But this is more about, you know, small L liberalism versus illiberalism. Right. This is about like, do we believe in the fundamental ideals of like of American of of American liberal democracy? Right. right, right. And, and hopefully, like, I still am hoping that, you know, Trump is not interested fundamentally in turning America into an authoritarian state. Like, I right. think that there, I think that you don't have to urgently be, you know, stocking, stocking up ammo, yeah. ready for that, you know, preparing uh, for that. I hope not. Um, I also feel like this is a different age. I mean, talking about the trail of tears and Andrew Jackson, I mean, we, we are, I mean, I don't think we have a, I think there's a, I think there's a populist that's like, there's a part of this country that's on the brink of, feeling more strongly than protests, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that that's where I get like, well, I I don't think, I think there's a lot of people in this country. There was a poll several years ago that found that some, I'm not, I'm not going to get it exactly right, but a considerable portion of conservatives of T, I think self-identified Tea Partiers uh, believed that there was a, it was likely that there would be an armed uprising uh, in their lifetime. That yeah. <laughs> well, they've so. made it so. I mean, they've made it more possible than anybody. I mean, I mean, we just have these like wildly polarized sides that that seem unnecessarily. Like, I feel like we're unnecessarily polarized. Like the immigrant ban, the Muslim ban, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't seem necessary. We have we have vetting processes. We are, we we have not had like a rash. I would understand if Donald Trump came into power. And we should wrap after this, but I mean, we could talk for hours, I'm sure. <laughs> but if Donald Trump came into power with a wave of 
major attacks, coordinated major sure. attacks, I would go, okay, well, we really have a problem. We have to do something about it. Terrorism is not going away. Like that's a problem forever. It will never, it's like the one thing you can count on is that someone's going to find a way to act against uh, people in a, in a small or big way, whether it's coordinated or not, right? You can have a lone wolf attack. You can have a lone gunman. You can have a group of people coordinating something. But like if we had a wave of terrorism that was really pointed now, globally that's happened, but globally it's, there's always been terrorism. Right. So I, I don't, it just feels like for no reason we're having this debate right now for the only reason is to what, to prove that Trump will do what he said he was going to do on the campaign trail to give Steve Bannon a feather in his cap. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what the reasons are. I really don't understand the motivation. I get you want to fast track your like nationalist agenda, but like, couldn't you wait? Couldn't he wait like six months or a year? I mean, they're not going mm -hmm. anywhere, right? It's not like, it's not like no, it's not like people were sitting around the day after Trump got elected and going, well, I just hope he gets that immigrant, problem well, taking care of although, ASAP. But I think a lot of voters were, right? I mean, this is the thing that we people forget. Like, Trump campaigned on the promise of a Muslim ban. Like, this wasn't, like, yeah, something that, that, that he just... But isn't it jobs? Isn't it, like, about getting some sure, money and sure. doing better? And and, and but, I know but you I can draw that, a line, but... But I think that he came into office and he was like, what can I do right now, right? Like, and he says people drew up a list of executive orders and he started signing them, right? The, the, it wasn't like he couldn't bring, he couldn't like force Ford into a, into sign some executive <laughs> but order you about feel like racism and those like personal grievances are so tied together where people are like, well, if we stop the immigrants, I'll get my job. Well, yeah, I, there's, I, yeah, I mean, I think, I and again, so. like, I just think it strikes me as completely illogical. Well, but, but, it, but it, that is a big part of it that people feel like, these, you know, refugees and immigrants and outsiders coming into their country are the reason that they don't have work, that their that their plant is shut down, that they've been displaced, whatever. Right. And so, you know, signing an executive order that limits immigration into the country is a way of at least signaling to your base, if you're Trump, to say, hey, look, I've got your back. But there's literally no way to explain. I mean, I, I this is just a guy from in New York arguing, but like <laughs> there's literally no way. To, what's so strange to me is just it's not possible to go. Actually, what happened is. Major corporations moved your job somewhere because it was cheaper for them. Because people are, are will work for pennies on the dollar. I mean, is it not? They, do well, they not? They know, can they, they not understand? Too. Like, it's not. It's not like some guy from Syria didn't come to the town and is like, now I'm working in the factory. It's like, no, there are people who are like essentially slaves in other places that will work for a, a wage that you would never work for. Well, and tr Trump talked about that too, though, right? Like, Trump and Bernie did too about this whole idea of you know basically getting tougher on trade with China and Mexico and these other countries that are out the where your jobs are being outsourced. Right, which, which would make sense. But I mean, it, you know, I mean, Trump is literally filling his cabinet with people who are can deeply connected to those corporations. So it's like, anyhow, of course, this you is. You should just you know, have me. I'm just going to defend Trump for the next hour. No, Let's I mean, you are the man who made <laughs> Trump happen. So, uh, McKay, this is really good. Thank you so much for doing this. This was like an amazing conversation. Yeah. I uh, am regretful that we have. This is our first I hope it will not be our last. I hope I hope not. Too. And uh, and good luck out there because uh, you're moving to DC. You're gonna be you're gonna be in the swamp. <laughs> you're be up to your deck in the swamp. And just be careful because uh, you know it's it it seems very treacherous. It's a it's a treacherous time in the swamp. And and when so <laughs> we can look for the Atlantic. Just keep your yeah, eyes yeah, peeled. Yeah, I'll be writing for the magazine. And, and you've got a mind. book. I should mention. I mentioned that already. But the wilderness. I'm gonna read the subtitle. Oh, man, it's so long. Deep inside the Republican Party's leave. combative, contentious chaotic quest, very alliterative there, to take back the White House, um, which by, I assume has a lot of backdrop for what's happening. Yeah, it's, it yeah. profiles all these So go these and buy it. It's been about. published by 
I don't know who it is. It doesn't say who it's Little published Brown. by. Little Brown, <laughs> tremendous publisher. Anyhow, McKay, thanks again. Yeah, thank you. Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week with more tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best, though not unlike Trump, your family has also been spurned by Candace Bergen, and they're feeling pretty bad right now.